The Welsh Wire, where talent and business connect in West Michigan. The Welsh Wire features moderator Mike Rogers and professional recruiting expert Sherry Welsh in this podcast. Listen in as leaders from a wide array of small to mid-sized West Michigan companies weigh in and share their experiences and insights on a variety of business topics, including employee retention challenges and recruitment success stories. Hi, everyone. It's Michael Rogers, and welcome to the Throwback Thursday edition of the Welsh Wire podcast. We're going to revisit three of the top five most listened to podcasts of 2019 and share with you some key success lessons you can apply to your own business. First up, Sherry Welsh talks with Kevin Murphy, the president and co-owner of Miniature Custom Manufacturing in Vicksburg, and learns more about their workforce success formula. So what is it about your people that, that's your secret sauce? What it, how have you assembled the team that's different from anybody else out there? So I, I don't know that we're necessarily different than any, when you compare us to another injection molder that, that everybody makes widgets, everybody has in, equipment and that sure. the only thing that you can do differently is how you, how you manage, how you develop your culture. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I come back to that word culture. It's very important. Um, culture, having a strong culture is, is the number one. It's the, it, people say sales are the lifeblood of an organization. I agree with that, but right behind it is your culture because without a strong culture, you're going to, you're going to turn people over. Yeah. You're, it, it just call. I, I just, that word resonates so hard with me. Culture. So what does that mean here at MCM? What does that look like? Feel like mm-hmm. that culture? So, so we manage our business on three things. It's people first, quality second, production third. And so that people first, I, I, I believe in the golden rule. You treat, you do one to others that you want others to do to you. I, I never ask someone to do something that I wouldn't do myself. Number one, we, we get other people to own their positions to lead. Um, we're not micromanagers. We, I'm not gonna, I, I don't like task people. Mm-hmm. I like thinkers. I don't like doers. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you gotta, the world's gotta have both, but, sure. um, we, we really work on coaching, teaching and development. Um, teaching in the moment. So there's a situation that happens. I'll stop. Even in a, even in a production meeting, I will stop our production meeting to teach and work with that individual right there in the moment. And, and, and from great. a leadership style, I'd say that is my style is teaching and development in the moment. Um, and I've, I've tried to emulate that with our staff and, and, and we work very hard on don't tell someone to do something, teach them, Yeah. work with them, have them understand how to do it so that they can pass that down the chain. Beautiful. Just barking orders at someone isn't how you're going to build a strong culture. Right. Teaching someone, developing someone into a leader is how you're going to develop a strong culture. What does that mean for your employees? I am just guessing that they respond to that really, really well. Kind yep. Of yep. Loyalty there, turnover must be next to nothing. So I've never been a yeller. Um, I've never been a screamer. I've never, I've never, um, if we have to discipline, obviously we'll sit down and have a conversation, but I encourage people to make mistakes, make aggressive mistakes. And, and, and why, I guess for myself, that's how I've learned growing, mm-hmm. growing this business is I, I'd be lying to say I haven't made a ton of mistakes. Mm-hmm. Some of them are calculated mistakes. You know, you, you take risk, whatever, and it doesn't work out sure. and it's considered a mistake, but go out and make them. Yeah. Cause that's how, that's the best, that's the best learning lesson you can. Right. You're never going to forget that mistake. You're, you're going to say, I don't want to do that again. Right. How do, how do I change? How do, how do I, how do I think differently the next time? So that, that's what we try to emulate here. Uh, and, and 
you know, I, I'd be lying to say it's not hard, mm-hmm. um, to manage quote unquote man. I'm going to call it lead people. Right. I don't, I don't like the word manage. I like the word lead. We struggle to lead millennials. Um, it's mm-hmm. very, but the thing I've learned with that is it's all about your culture. Yeah. And, and, and so well, I, finding the right fit for individuals within that generation that fit your culture, because I, I think, and tell me if you think this is wrong, but I, you know, I think to a large extent, we sort of say millennials look like this and we put a label on them. They're all the same. Well, you and I wouldn't like that if someone put no, a label No, I'm technically on us. considered a millennial. I'm 36 years old. So, and clearly, you don't um, think like "quote unquote" the millennials. I don't. Right? I, don't I don't necessarily like that word, um, right? Because so it's become that, a negative connotation. It, it absolutely has, and, and and labeled as a group of people that we can't work with or are difficult right. to work with That's or make right. unrealistic demands. But and, and you know what? I think in every generation there are folks like that, but there are also a lot of folks who think differently and obviously have fit your culture really well. Because you've got. I, I looked around here. You've got. Quite a few millennials. We've got quite a few young people, yes, in this organization, um, and they're doing good jobs for you. So, so one of the things. Well, what do you what do you do? How do you work with them? You need your business. Your culture needs to evolve. Yes. You you can't you can't just today say that I'm going to set my culture and say that this is the way it's going to be always. You have to be willing to change. Yeah. And, and leadership is about change management. Yes. And and if you can change other people's thought process, how they act, how they do, whatever, just the word change. Mm-hmm. If people, if you can get your people willing to change, the sky's the limit. Right. Oh, absolutely. Because we're working in a world right now that's changing at breakneck pace. That's correct. Like never that's before. That's correct. So if you can get people comfortable with that and embracing that, you're a winner. And then if winner. you can get them out of their comfort zone. Yeah. Not into there's three there's three levels. I, I I've read a lot of business books. I've read a lot of just you name it books. And and a do you have a favorite? Good to great. Okay, and tell me why that is. Because we try to emulate this at MCM. It's it's about hiring good people, and then it's about getting them on the right seat on the bus. Mm-hmm. So so a lot of times in an interview, yeah, I can look at your experience or I'll sit down with you, but I'm interviewing you as the individual. I want to. Most people are smart and they can learn. If you have core, good core competencies, I, I, aside from, you know, having an accounting degree or something that you're specific in, but our project manager never had any project experience before she came here. Our customer service manager never had customer service before she came here. So how, what do you do in your hiring process mm-hmm. without that previous experience or track mm-hmm. record to show that they can do it? What do you do to make sure that when you're hiring them, they can do what you think they're capable of. Um, How do you know that? I, I like a lot of the star method situation action result. Yeah. Um, I, I like I like to ask them, tell me about a time when. I, I give them scenarios. How would you handle this? Um, ask them about their family. Mm-hmm. Ask them about their upbringing. Not that I'm judging someone on that, mm-hmm. but I want to understand what makes this person tick. Sure. What, what drives them? Is it, are you... Kids, what you know, whatever, right. whatever it is, um, how do you do what you do? Mm-hmm. You know, what what do you what's in, what's important to you in life? What are you looking to get out of this life? Mm-hmm. You know, do my values align with yours? Do do I do you? Where do you see yourself in five years? Yeah, these are important things. And when someone can say to you, "Well, I don't know," that's probably not the right fit. Right. I, I want right. a I want a driven individual. I want someone that is gonna run through brick walls and not be afraid to. I want someone that's not, that believes in themselves. I I want someone that's willing to fail, willing to take a little bit of risk. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, this, I'm going to stay inside my box and and never leave it. 
it's not a good fit for someone in this company. Yeah. And, and, and for most companies, I don't think that's a great fit. I think you're right about that. But, Absolutely. So your people, I mean, that that is your secret sauce, so to speak. I mean, that's your that's element that, that really attracted the attention of the folks in 50 Companies to Watch and said, yeah, you are deserving of this. And you mentioned your growth, too. Your growth has been phenomenal. Well, they, well growth doesn't come without good people. Absolutely. So, agree. so they say, you know, that was a question. How do you grow? How, do, how are you growing so fast? How we've been growing at twenty percent plus a year for the last three years. Outstanding. It, it is outstanding, but it doesn't happen without the right people on the right seat. Right. And and we just have great folks. We have zero ninety eight percent retention in our office. You can't say that about the shop floor, but it is manufacturing. Right. Next up on our Throwback Thursday show, Sherry chats with Jennifer Swan and Carrie Hoke Mortlock of Tower Pinkster. To get more details on their innovative company culture and their partnership with the Kalamazoo Communities and Schools program. Carrie, tell us a little bit more about Tower Pinkster. Who are you? What are you all about? (laughs) Thanks, Sherry. Um, Tower Pinkster has been around since 1953. We're an architectural engineering and interior design firm. Um, We're proud to say that we have 150 talented team members, um, been around for 65 years. We have two office locations, one in Kalamazoo and one in Grand Rapids. And what kind of projects do you specialize in, in architectural and engineering? Do you have a niche? We actually are in all five unique um, market sectors, so a little bit of um, governmental projects, also have healthcare, high education, K through 12, and a little bit of commercial in there as well. Wonderful. So wide variety of things you get involved in, Kalamazoo and Grand Rapids area. And you've got a pretty cool culture at Tower Pinkster. We do. Tell us about that. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we really do feel that in order for us to be successful, that every one of our employees really needs to be not only engaged in their work, but in their communities mm-hmm. and really just fostering pursuit of their personal passions. Um, one of the uh, important ingrained core values of our culture is that we actively support the communities in which we live, work, and play. Mm-hmm. And so as a company, we feel it really is our responsibility to our staff to expose them to what community opportunities exist out there, kind of what that looks like and feels like. And so anything from industry events to just um, supporting the local nonprofit organizations, we really just try to get our folks out there and really I- experience what it's all about. Right. A lot of companies talk about community engagement or community involvement, and it's kind of a buzzword, and it seems like, you know, the fun, cool thing to do these days as an organization, but you really live it and breathe it and you foster it in your employees in kind of a unique way, sort of as evidenced by this project that Jen spearheaded. So... um Jen, tell us about your idea because you had a you had a pretty cool idea that Tower Pinkster was excited to support. So, how did this all come to be? Yeah, um, well, Tower Pinkster is very food motivated. Our employees are, um, <laughs> so it started there. It started there, and, and, um, and I've been giving to communities and schools for probably five to six years now. Oh, and just personally just involved personally. with supporting. Okay, great. And whenever I would do that, I would um, always ask, hey, I'm going out and I'm going to be doing a big purchase for communities and schools. Who else here wants to donate? And I'll go pick everything up, deliver it, and mm-hmm. do all of that. Awesome. So, you know, you might get 
$50, $100 sure. from, from the employees t- to match it. And I'm like, well, how can I get more money from them? Yeah. Because um, you you were involved seeing the need firsthand. You yes. knew it was great. Yep. So you knew you were personally having an impact and helping your coworkers have an impact. But you thought, there's got to be a way to do more. Yes. There has to be a way to do more. And we had a little snack spot in um, in our cafe. And it was okay snacks, but nobody really wanted to purchase those. And I was like, how can I do better snacks? And then all of the money is just going to go to communities and schools. And none, nothing's going to Tower Pinkster, nothing's going to an outside firm. So how can I make that happen? And then so that's how the Swan Snack Emporium came about. Oh, is it what it's called? Swan <laughs> Snack Emporium. I Although, love that. I do like that you call it the Snack Shack, so I might have to <laughs> rebrand. I did refer to it as the Snack Shack. You know, the, I love that name, though, the Snack Emporium. So um, so you went to Carrie, I would assume, mm-hmm. and sat down and said, hey, I've got an idea, this snack bar thing, mm-hmm. like we got this food there. Mm-hmm. It's People don't really eat it. They don't really like it that much. I think that our employees would like it if we got some different things. And I got a plan. And she probably worried that this was going to take half of your day job. No, away I don't to think do. anybody no? really worried Did about she? it. No. Um, Carrie says no. She didn't worry about that at all. No, it takes a couple minutes every day to make sure that the snacks are up there. But other than that, but you go out, out them, yeah. you go out and buy them every yep. week and supply. And so yep. pr- obviously a lot of trial and error probably to figure out what people wanted or they tell oh, you yeah. right away, Jen, here's my list. <laughs> <laughs> Funny you should ask that because they do, they do tell me what they want. And there's quite a few over there that try to pretend that they're healthy, but they're not healthy. Um, so they ask for the healthy snacks like, oh, I want kind bars or can we get dried fruit or can we, you know. Sure. No, they don't buy any of that stuff when you put it out there. They want Pop-Tarts and chips and candy bars. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So the response from the employees yes. was overwhelming, it sounds like. It is. It is overwhelming. I think just about everybody over there buys snacks. Um, I run through chips at lunchtime like it's gangbusters over there. Yeah, I make so so much extra money for Isn't that going great? out to purchase stuff for communities and schools. Yeah, and when you say extra, like how big of an increase do you think that it is over what you were contributing just yourself and from others to sort of chipping in the hat? You it know? is probably triple. Oh, is that triple awesome? What I was doing before, yeah. That is awesome. Great job. Great work. It's fantastic. And I I really couldn't do it without all those guys over there supporting too. And they all keep each other in check over there. Like they're, some of them will be like, Oh, I don't have a dollar, a dollar today to get a snack. And I'm like, just put an IOU in there. I know where you work. I know where you're at. Right. Um, and the honor system is, I mean, it's, that's great. Oh yeah. People it's appreciate that but too. I get some of the guys that'll come over there and see an IOU and they're like, well, I'm throwing a 20 in right now. And they get a snack out, cover everybody's IOUs, and just leave the extra money in oh. there. So it, I'm like, it is just a, a giving culture over there. That is awesome. And this is extremely impactful for Kalamazoo communities and schools. Finally, Sherry talks with John Barry, president of Shoepan Aluminum and Plastic Sales, a division of Shoepan and Sons, to learn more about their partnership with Fabrical Corporation to operate the Shoepan and Fabrical Employee Health Center in partnership with Marathon Health opening an employee health clinic and it's right around the corner mm-hmm. from your largest division's headquarters. That is a really cool thing. Tell us about how that came to be. I think our listeners are going to be fascinated to hear this story. 
Yes. So the, the, we're really excited about the new healthcare clinic. Uh, Who, whose idea was it? Well, it was kind of, it's kind of interesting. So we ended up partnering with a, a local company here in town called Fabrical. They're a food, um, food packaging company. Uh, they're quite large, but they, they really, really, um, mesh well with, with our company as well. Our, our core values and the way that we treat our employees are, are so, so similar. Um, and so our Mary Francis, uh, Oliphant, our HR director was, was speaking with their HR director one day. And, you know, obviously the, the healthcare, uh, challenge came up in terms of how expensive everything is and, and just, you know, the, the, um, the lack of care. I think we can all, you know, acknowledge that sometimes when you go to the doctor, you feel like you're, you're, uh, you're not getting maybe the attention that you need. True that. Yes. Uh, so we really, we decided to partner with Fabrical. You need about a thousand employees to make, to make a clinic like this work. Um, so you had that critical mass. We did. Between the two organizations. Yep. Uh, and so basically we, uh, it took us about a year, probably about a year and a half to actually get the clinic fully up and running. I mean, we, you know, we built a facility. It's a modular, uh, modular, uh, facility. Uh, but it's right on the corner of um, of our shoe pan aluminum and plastic sales division, the one that I'm responsible for. We have about we have about 250 employees at this location, so it's very very convenient for them. And then our our three scrapyards are really close, so it's convenient for our scrap employees to come over. But uh, you know we've really we've varied the hours, so it's not a traditional eight to five clinic. Um, Which, if you're really going to serve the needs of your employees, that's what it has to be because they're working all different hours, all different shifts, right? For sure. For and sure. some of, some of the most critical needs may happen at those times when there isn't access to medical care anyplace else, right? No doubt about it. And you know, the nice thing about the clinic is that it's it's open to any Shupan employee and their family as oh, long as they're great. on the our healthcare plan. That's Throwback Thursday. We hope you enjoyed it, and you'll join Sherry Welsh next time on the Welsh Wire. Thank you for listening to The Welsh Wire. We hope you'll join us for the next episode. For more information, visit welshandassociates.net.